This class is part of the Lessons in Tanya project. More classes available at LessonsInTanya.com. Major funding for this Tanya class is provided by the Mettel Corporation. Additional funding is provided by Tanya students like you. Lessons in Tanya. The Tanya of Rabbi Schneir Zalman of Liadi. Taught by Rabbi Ben Zion Krasniansky. Tanya's text elucidated by Rabbi Yosef Weinberg. Ultimate knowledge is when we know something from our own personal experience, then we can relate to it. Just like we know from our own selves, our bodies, our self, our soul, our life. We're alive. You know, the body is made up of 100 trillion cells, 248 limbs, 365 veins, capillaries. It's, it's beyond the human brain itself. It's so diverse. And yet, there's one point of life. It all comes from one, one point. And it all comes from the soul. When the soul leaves the body, that's it. The body is no longer alive. Everything, that, everything the brains, the heart, all the cells shut down. So everything comes from one point. There's one soul. The soul is not made up of a hundred trillion parts. There's one soul. And from this soul flows the life force, the energy. It all comes from this one soul. The soul is everywhere. One cell is not one, is less alive, more alive than the other cell. Every part of you is filled with life. Once the soul makes contact with the body, your whole body comes alive. Every part of you, equally. And that's why you feel something, you feel it instantly. You want to move your hand, you move your hand automatically. Because your willpower, your soul is found everywhere, equally. There is no place for will. It's not like the brain, the place of the, mind, of the, of the intellect is in the brain. The mind is in the brain. The heart, emotions, and the heart. But where's the organ for will? There's no organ for will. Will is, you will. You will, you want something. The soul, the soul is everywhere. Equally. On the other hand, you have the particular energy of the soul. The soul's ability to comprehend. That particular ability is found in the brain. The soul's ability to feel, emotionally be emotionally attached to something, to be attracted to something, to be repulsed by something, to feel compassionate towards something. All of these emotions reside in the, in the heart. And then every organ in the body has its unique ability. The hands, the legs, every part of the body. So every organ in the body draws out an individual ability from within the soul. And that ability within the soul is grasped by that organ. It's completely absorbed by that organ. It becomes inseparable from that organ. And you can feel, you can feel the brain's ability 
mind's ability to comprehend. And you can feel your heart pumping when you, your heart gets excited. Your heart rate goes up. You can feel it. You can feel that energy. So from my flesh, I know God. We are the microcosm. So too, God is the soul of the world. So the whole universe, higher realms, lower realms, material worlds, just the infinite spiritual world, it's like one organism. And God is the soul of the world. So on one hand, God is present everywhere equally. God is not more present than the upper realms and the higher realms and the higher levels of consciousness in the world of the angels, the spiritual world, than he is in this physical, material, dense world. God is equally present. And they're not a vessel or a vehicle for God. The higher realms of consciousness are not a vessel or a vehicle for God. And the dense, material realms are not a contradiction to God. God is equal. God is everywhere, equally. So, so the essence of God is found everywhere. But we're not a vehicle, we're not a vessel for it. We can't grasp God. God is within us and all around us. And God is everywhere, and yet we don't, we don't grasp God. And then you have each individual world. Each individual world is a vessel, a vehicle that can grasp its particular life force, its particular life energy. And it reveals from within God, so to speak, another aspect, another ability. Every individual existence, entity. That's the energy that we can feel. That's the energy that we can grasp. But so the difference between the worlds is twofold. Firstly, in the higher realms is a higher level of light. There's a higher revelation in the higher world. Versus the lower worlds reveal a lower, a lower level. For example, you have the light of the sun. So you can have a huge window, huge opening that lets the light flow in. We have a little tiny hole. It just lets a drop of light come in. It's the same light, but here you have a huge amount of light that comes in, and here you have a much, a much lesser amount of light. So that is, that's one distinction between the higher realms in which like the window's wide open and the godly energy flows in and, and they sense and godliness is more revealed. Whereas in the lower realms, the godly energy is diminished and is, is this tiny little light. In addition to that, in the higher realms, there's less of a cover-up over the light. In the lower realms, there's a great cover-up. It's like there are many, many clothes and layers and filters and veils. So not only this little light that does come through, also comes through these veils. So you don't even see its connection to its source. It's so veiled, it's so covered up, that it becomes disconnected from its source. It's almost like a second light. You don't see its source. When there's no veil, even if a little light comes through the crack, but it's light from the sun, you can see it points to the sun, you can see its source. But when you have a curtain, and you have a veil, and you have the little light that comes through, through the veil, you don't even see its connection to its source. It's almost like a secondary light. So this cover-up, this tremendous cover-up, and the more layers and the more veils there are, the greater the cover-up, until it becomes so dense and so dark, until you don't see anything. That's how God created this world, which is the lowest of all the worlds, the most materialistic of all the worlds, the most dense of all the worlds, tangible, the tangible material world, the world of touch, 
which is within this world itself, the lowest level of this world. The inanimate, the stone. So it has an energy. But the energy is so minute. And it comes through so many veils. Not only quantitatively wise that there's so many veils, qualitatively wise, such dense veils that it can create a stone that can sit there for thousands of years and for all practical purposes is like dead. It appears dead. Just like when a person literally, when a person literally dies, the soul is gone. But the skeleton remains. So obviously it has to have an existence. How could the skeleton be there? So it has some tiny, tiny drop of life. And that tiny drop of life keeps the skeletons in existence. But what do you see? You see a dead corpse. It's been dead. could be for thousands of years. So it exists. It's here. But it's dead. So this is the analogy of the stone, the inanimate level of life. It, 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 it exists. So obviously it has a soul, it has energy. But the energy is so minute and it comes with so many thick veils and all that's left, it's like dead. You don't see any life. You don't see any movement. You don't see anything. Versus organic life, you see some form of life. Something grows. There's a spurt of growth, let alone animal life. The animal roams. The animal is alive. The animal feels. And let alone human life. Imagination. Consciousness. So you have all these different layers of life which come as a result of the concealment. But within this concealment, what's in, in this concealment, even in the stone? God's infinite light. You have that light. Yes, it's been reduced to a little people. God reduced and concentrated his infinite light to a little people, so to speak. And even that went through layers and veils and until and it becomes so concealed, until we end up with something so dense that it, it, it's dead, it appears dead. There's absolutely no life force. But the truth is, God's light is there. And God, it's God's infinite light. So God could be found everywhere. It's even though we, we don't sense it, but the truth is, it all comes from one source. It all comes from God. There's nothing else besides God. So this life force really... So God is found everywhere, even in the stone. Everywhere. Everything is really connected with God. But we don't see it and we don't sense it. It's completely hidden and completely covered up and completely concealed. And that's why, he, as he explained in chapter 6, why this world is so, appears to be so evil. It's because of this complete cover-up. And evil seems to be rampant, running rampant. And people get away with murder. And it's so challenging because the divine energy is so hidden, so well hidden and so well concealed. But on the other hand, the truth is, God is accessible. And you can touch God because God is everywhere. The essence, the substance is, the reality is, God is everywhere. Even in that stone. And God reduced his infinite light into a level that's reduced to the level of the stone. Just barely enough life, enough to give it existence. 
and it goes through all these cover-ups and these garments and these veils and the curtains and, and yet, nevertheless, God is there. And really it's all connected to the infinite. And that's why in reality it's not the way it appears to be. The reality is that this world is a godly world. And it's a Jew's mission to reveal the truth that this world is not what it appears to be. The truth is everything is godly. And a Jew should not be intimidated by the overwhelming darkness and the overwhelming mediocrity and the overwhelming stupidity and, and dumbing down and all that negativity that we're constantly bombarded with from within and from without. Because on one hand, that's the nature of the world. There isn't a single point in this world that isn't filled with negativity and evil and lies and, 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 and farce and, and distortion. And that's the world. The world is called Olam. The Hebrew words, the name of this world is Olam, which means Helem, God is hidden. That's the Hebrew name. That's the nature of this world. It could be very intimidating. Because this is the nature of this world. How can I, a tiny person, how can I overcome this overwhelming odds which are, lying, which are against me? But the Jew remembers that the reality is Hashem's infinite self is found everywhere. Matter is energy. The truth is that everything, the substance is really godliness. And Hashem's infinite self hasn't changed or hasn't been affected. And God is accessible and available and to everyone and everywhere in all times and all places. And that's our mission. That's a Jew's mission. We were charged with a mission to reveal the truth. It's counterintuitive. It's not what it appears to be. But to reveal what's really going on deep down inside. And that's through studying Torah, doing a mitzvah. We have the ability to touch and to reveal the godliness within us. And this is also corroborated by halacha. Halacha states that what happens when something pure touches something impure. You hear touch something impure. With your fingernail you touch something impure. You know what happens? You immediately become impure. You ask yourself the question. It should really be the reverse. When something impure touches something pure, when something impure comes in contact with something pure, the impurity should, should become pure. Why is it that when my finger touches something impure, I become impure? It should have been the exact opposite. When something impure touches something pure, the power of purity should be so powerful that this impurity should immediately, by, just by touching this impurity, should become pure. It doesn't work that way. <laughs> The impurity remains impure. And you, by touching that impurity, you become completely transformed into impurity. Is purity so weak? So vulnerable? What's, what's real or what's not real? What's powerful what's not powerful? What's more powerful, purity or impurity? Holiness or lack of holiness? Godliness or the, exact, or, or the antithesis to godliness? Which is stronger, which is more powerful? comes Allah and says, one touch of impurity, gone, boom, finished. 
It's so fragile. Purity is so fragile. Truth is so fragile. Holiness is so fragile. One touch and it's all over. So Halacha seems to acknowledge the truth that this world is a very dark place. A very dense place. A place which godliness is completely hidden. It's like an enigma within the, what the church will say. Uh, it's, it's so hidden and so concealed. Every point of this world is arrogance, ego, distortion, lies, mediocrity, farce. And no matter how much Torah mitzvot what you do, we pour so much energy, so much effort. We study so much Torah. And we do so many mitzvot. And our ego doesn't budge, doesn't budge one inch. <laughs> Not one iota. You can do a lifetime of Torah of mitzvot. And still, Al-Turabi says, you're not a tzaddik, you never will be. You're a benini, you'll have to struggle. The, the animal soul doesn't budge. You do one sin and the godly soul is completely shaken up. Godly soul hides and you know affected so profoundly. The godly soul is so sensitive. You do one thing wrong, and the godly soul is so shaken up and disturbed and shaken to its core. And you can pour Torah mitzvah on your animal soul, your ego. Thousands of mitzvah, thousands of hours of Torah. It's like it's like nothing happened. The ego doesn't budge. The ego is not sensitive. The ego is not inspired. Doesn't change. On the contrary. So what is it? Is our essence godly? Is our essence beastly? Or, or natural, animalistic, ego? What is the reality? What is the substance? And what is... So externally, superficially, the name of the world says it, Olam, Halacha seems to say, impurity, that's the reality. You touch it, you're affected by it. The impurity is not affected, it's not touched by purity. It doesn't change, it does not affect. But that's only external. Reality is the truth. As the Alter Rebbe explains, and we studied it in the second part of the Tanya, a great length, chapter 7, Shari Yichud Vemunah, that symptom is not literal. That even this symptom, where God is totally hidden and concealed and concentrates himself, takes his infinite light and reduces it to a light, a ray, a glimpse, a glimmer of his light. Reduces it to a little light that could illuminate a stone. Create a stone, bring a stone into existence. And even that light is hidden and concealed, covered up by veils and curtains. and, and it, The light becomes so hidden and concealed until it can create something tangible, materialistic, dense. It's so far away from anything spiritual, anything godly. But the truth is that this symptom is not literal. God is found. His whole infinite self is found everywhere. In that stone. And that's the substance. The substance of this world is godly. And that's our substance. And that's why godliness is compared and the soul is compared to a candle. A little light pushes away a lot of darkness. Because light is substance. Darkness is nothing. Empty. Void. The absence of light. A little light in the darkness just melts away. Offers no resistance. Because the truth is, godliness, that's substance. You do a mitzvah, it's substance. 
And the truth is that the evil inclination, the Yitzhahara, knows the power of one Jew, even the most seemingly insignificant Jew, doing one little mitzvah, seemingly the most insignificant mitzvah. He is terrified of that mitzvah. How do we see that? The amount of effort he puts in to get us that we should not do that one mitzvah. <laughs> he is so terrified. God forbid you're going to learn an extra minute of Torah. God forbid you're going to give an extra penny to tzedakah. God forbid you're going to give an extra smile, say an encouraging word to someone. Because he knows the power of that one mitzvah. This little mitzvah, this is a nuclear reaction ready to happen. This is a, a nuclear bomb ready to explode. This is, this is so powerful. This single mitzvah could single-handedly tip the scale and bring redemption. And that's why he's so terrified of this mitzvah. And so terrified of every simplest person doing the simplest mitzvah. So the truth is not, not the way it appears to be. The truth is that holiness and purity and godliness, this is substance, this is reality. Because God's infinite light is found in everything. Even with the veils and even with the cover-ups and even with the intense cover-ups and even with the, the redu- reduction and concentration and making in, in the light, it really, it's really the same infinite. God's infinite self is found everywhere. And it's accessible. And all you have to do is just tap into it and touch it. And you can change the whole world. Despite all the odds. So, and modern physics corroborates that, that the truth is everything matters energy, and really everything is made up of atoms, and the atom is infinite, and you know. So this corroborates the Torah perspective, the Balshemta's perspective, that Tzimtzum is not literal. God's infinite self, an infinite power is found in the tiniest, you know, you look at a piece of uranium, what, what does a simple person see in a piece of uranium? You can clap cup and bond, you can bang your head against it, it's a piece of metal, what, what is it? But show this to a uh, physicist, nuclear physicist, and he sees infinite potential. So everything in this world really has infinite potential. The smallest good deed has infinite potential. Action, simple action, has infinite potential. That's what the Torah reveals to us. That's revelation. That's the counterintuitive miracle of revelation that God revealed to us, the truth, that it's not the way it appears. All other religions looked at this world and came to the conclusion that this world is hopelessly evil, man is hopelessly evil, man is born in sin and will die in sin, and the only hope is the afterlife. And comes along the Torah revelation and says counterintuitively, no, it's not the way it appears to me. This world is infinite possibilities through action, the simplest action, deed, good deed, one penny in tzedakah. Such infinite potential you can't even fathom. And that's the substance, and that's reality. Don't be taken in by the external, by the surface. And don't look at the world negatively. Don't be intimidated and dismiss this world and say this world is hopelessly corrupt, hopelessly decadent, hopelessly mediocre. Nothing could be further than the truth. Nothing. This world is so charged with potential, such infinite potential. This is the Hasidic perspective. It's a different world. It's a new world. It's a whole different look at the world. 
And it's up to us to reveal that truth through our actions, through our attitudes and beliefs, and engagement in the world. Page 779, second paragraph, these garments. He was saying, if, if the light, the energy with which Hashem creates the material world was only a question of Hashem reducing the light to the level where it can create something material, it wouldn't be enough. It would only be able to create a spiritual world. How do we get from something spiritual to something dense and material? He says the only way is when the, this light that has been reduced also is concealed within a veil. Okay, continue. These garments. These garments wherein the blessed I itself invests and conceals the light and vitality are so strong and powerful. I.e. the garments are not only numerous in quantity, but they are also of such a type that their ability to conceal is greater than that of ordinary garments. That thereby with this life force and light created this world that is verily corporeal and physical. Within this world itself, he's talking about the inanimate, the stone. Because the higher forms of life at least have some form of life, visible form of life. But it's only the stone that has no form of life. All it is is dense and material. Um, here, the godliness, the godly energy, which brings the stone into existence, is completely concealed. Completely, completely hidden. Hashem creates and animates it by the vitality and light which He draws down and shines forth unto it. This illumination is a light that is clothed, hidden, and concealed within the numerous and powerful garments which hide and conceal the light and vitality, so that no light or vitality whatever is visibly revealed, but only corporeal and physical things that appear lifeless. Gazing at corporeal things such as the physical orb of earth can cause a person to imagine them as utterly lifeless, totally devoid of any spiritual vitality. Yet they contain light and vitality which constantly creates them ex nihilo, so that they shall not revert to nothing and naught as they had been prior to their creation. Creation ex nihilo must be constant. The fact that the world and its creatures were already once created during the six days of creation does not suffice. Rather, there must be a constant renewal of creation from its source. Thus, the godly light and vitality that is responsible for creation is constantly found within created beings, albeit in a concealed fashion. This light comes from the blessed Ensof, except that it is clothed in many garments. As is written in Etz Chaim, that the light and vitality of the physical orb of earth, which is seen by mortal eyes, is derived from Malchut of Malchut of Asiya. Malchut of Asiya is the lowest sphera of the world of Asiya, the lowest of the four worlds. Malchut itself is composed of all ten spherot, the lowest of which is Malchut. Thus, Malchut of Malchut of Asiya represents the lowest degree of the lowest level of Asiya. Malchut is like speech. Speech within a person is the most external part within the person. You don't need speech for yourself. Speech is only to communicate to someone outside of you. So it, and speech just conveys what's going on inside of you. So speech is like the most superficial external part within the person. So that's malchus. And then malchus, that's the level of malchus. And then that's malchus. You have the malchus of the world of emanation. And then you have the lowest world, which is asiya. And this is in asiya itself. It's the ex most external, superficial 
part of Asiya. So this is the life force, like a light of a light. It's like a, a glimmer of a ray, you know, emanating from Hashem's infinite light. And this is the life force that creates an entity that seems completely disconnected. Has no life. Or appears dead. No vitality, no energy. Period. But what's in this life? Well, this life force comes from its source. Its source is the level of Malchus from the higher world. And in it is contained Malchus of the next highest world, the world of Yetzirah, and so on. Within Malchus of Yetzirah, in turn, there is contained Malchus of Briah, and so on. So that in all of them, within the level of Malchut of all worlds, including the level of Malchut of Asiya, are contained the ten sefirot of the loftiest world, the world of Atsilut, which are united with their emanator, the blessed Ensof. Thus, even the physical orb of earth, of earth contains godly light and vitality. This results from the light passing through the sefirot of the various worlds, the Sfirot being the godliness of each world, as well as through numerous and powerfully dense garments that serve to conceal this vitality. The difference between the higher and lower worlds will be understood accordingly. The divine light and life force is revealed to a greater extent in the higher world than in the lower. And within this physical world, the light and life force is completely concealed. However, this is the case merely in relation to the illumination of godliness. With regard to the core and essence of the Ainsof, there truly exists no difference between the higher and the lower worlds. He is equally concealed from all, and he is equally found in them all. He is equally concealed even from the highest world, which cannot grasp him. And he's equally found, even just like he's found in the higher world, he's found in the lower world. So the higher world is not a vessel for him, and the lower world is not a contradiction to him. So God is found, the essence of God is found everywhere, equally. Every part of the world is permeated with the essence of God. But even the life force that has been concentrated and reduced and limited to be able to bring out a certain aspect of godliness, a certain ability, a certain, every entity brings out another ability, another aspect, another, even that is really, it's concealed. This li limited life force, which we perceive, this revelation that we perceive is hidden and concealed. And even the, the, the ultimate, which is this tangible world, this sense of touch, the stone, the lowest world, where the godly life force is completely hidden and concealed in the veil and the cover-up. And nevertheless, God's light is found in everything. So God's essence, there is no higher, there is no lower, there is no difference between higher and lower. But even in the realm where there are distinctions between higher and lower, revelation, what's more revealed, what's less revealed, in the, in the illumination of God, in which there's distinctions between revelation, what is revealed, what isn't revealed, and you have to be a vessel to be able to receive it. And if you're a vessel, you receive it, and if you're not a vessel, you can't receive it. If you can't receive it, it's hidden from you and concealed, and it's not there. 
But even the level that is revealed, and even though it goes through many, many layers, and, we don't, and you don't sense it at all, like the stone, but the truth is God's light is there, and the energy is there, and God's infinite self is found in everything, and, as, and is everywhere. So that's the analogy we learn from the human soul. The next chapter is going to discuss how God's essence is everywhere, and then you have the revelation of God depending on the vessel and the vehicle. Just like in the human soul, we have the soul is everywhere equally, every cell is equally alive. On the other hand, you have every individual organ that receives a different revelation of the soul, a different ability of the soul. And then you have a level in between, and that's resides in the brain, in which the soul is like a general life force, and from this life force, the brain sends out this individual life force to each part of the body, and they remain connected to the brain. And the brain, that's why the brain is the command and control center of the body, and that's why the brain coordinates the whole body. And that's the function of the brain, in addition to being an organ of one, of one ability, which is to comprehend, the brain serves a far more critical role as the command and control center of the whole body because in the brain resides this general life force. So you have the essence of the soul. The essence of the soul is not about giving life. It just is. Its purpose is not to give life. It just is. And then you have as part of the soul, as part of an expression of the soul, the soul gives life, has life, gives life. And when the soul connects with the body, the body comes alive. But before you're born, the soul is there. And when a person dies, the soul remains. So the soul is an essence of life. Notwithstanding whether it's giving life or not giving life. And then you have the very essence of the soul. It's not even about giving life, it's just this. So the essence of the soul is found equally in the whole body. The moment the soul makes contact with the body, every cell all 100 trillion cells come to life. When the soul leaves, it's gone, finished. <laughs> it doesn't leave over any part of it. Because it's, it's, it's all, it's the soul, there's nothing, everything comes from the soul. The soul brings everything with it. It's all it's one entity. But the way the soul reveals itself and manifests itself, it starts out in the brain as a more general life force. And from the brain, the brain coordinates all 100 trillion cells coordinate every part of the body and all the functions of every organ and, and infinitely complex, you know, dynamic, uh, ongoing, interactive human organism and body which is so beyond, beyond our comprehension. And all of this is coordinated by the brain. And then from the brain, it's manifest as an individual energy that we're conscious of. Every organ, every, every organ is conscious and, and grasps its unique ability to feel, to comprehend, etc. That's what he's going to discuss about discuss the next chapter. And what's true with us is also true with Hashem. That there's the essence of Hashem, and the essence of Hashem is found everywhere. Then you have every entity that Hashem creates from the highest to the lowest has its own unique energy. It 
reveals another aspect of Hashem, another ability of Hashem, another every nature, every characteristic trait of everything that exists reveals another aspect, another slice, another um, ability of Hashem. And then you have the general life force. And first the life is concentrated in the general life force and from there flows the individual individual um, life force to each entity. And that general life force, that's the brain. And what's the equivalent of that? That's what he calls, that's the Kodesh HaKadosh, the Holy of Holies. That's the center, that's, that's where the central life force is concentrated, and from there flows every individual life force, to ev- everything that exists. And... Um, and then he's going to conclude in chapter 53. And this is the answer to the question that he posed. Why it says, Shemen Areshcha al That the Torah mitzvah that we do supplies the oil, the fuel for the flame, for God's presence that hovers over us. Why is the fuel Shemen um, has to do with brains, with wisdom? So he says, because the Torah, that's really the fuel. Because Torah is the holy of holies. Because that's where, the, that's where the God's general energy resides. Life force resides first in the brain. And from the brain, it flows to every organ, to every individual entity. See, the Alter Rebbe had confidence, the <laughs> quality self. And I'm not going to dumb it down. I'm not going to... Um, but uh, not everyone, not everyone, most people don't have that. Faith in people. Or, so they look for the lowest common denominator. See, the real art, we're in the, we live in the communication age, but the real art of communication is not to communicate what you think people want to hear take polls or communicate what you think people want to hear or, or dumb it down to the lowest. It's communicating the deepest, the most profound, but in a way that people can understand. See, that, takes, that takes originality, that takes creativity, that takes uh, mastery. To, to communicate the message in its purity, but in a, light, in a way that the that the simplest person could grasp. That's what the Baal Shem Tov did. He took the deepest concepts of Kabbalah and he explained it in a simple way. Even the simplest Jew could grasp and be inspired. But that takes real mastery. Baal Shem Tov, the master. Because, but that's communication. So you respect the audience, you respect the material. And, um, and that's what people want. It's true, all the world classics were written on a ninth grade level. A very basic level. So yes, you have to communicate. You can't speak so abstract, esoteric, no one knows what you're talking about. But you have to be able to give them something that's real, something that's... And uh, people are receptive to that. Look at all the classics. The last, these things last hundreds of years, you know, last good stuff, good quality. It's very foolish because if you gave people best, 
but in a way that they could, you know, relate to it, that's what people really want. People are not looking for this. That's why people are shutting off. I think less and less people are watching. People stop buying newspapers. I mean, the more dumbed down it becomes, people are, you know, it's like... There's a lot of peer pressure. There's technical gadgets. And even my kids, you know, when I wanted to show them a movie in black and white, they don't want to hear. They, they didn't even want to look at it. All right. So, you know, it just... This is a problem. This is a problem. It's just to get them interested in, in the quality stuff. That's fine. So you need someone who can package quality stuff and using the most modern, that's fine. Nothing wrong with that. But don't lose sight. Yeah, use, package it, use all the modern, why not? Mm -hmm. But don't lose sight of the, the substance, the quality. That doesn't have to change. Right. That's what most people don't, don't, don't get. They really think you really have to, the quality of Jewish music. It's pretty, it's pretty dismal, actually. Very dismal. So it takes a lot of, uh, not to dumb down, but it takes a lot of courage, you know. It takes a lot of, uh, but to appeal to the best within people. But give it to them in a, in a, in a good package, in a package that they could relate to without dumbing down the message. That, that, that's really the, cha that's a challenge of communication. Communication is powerful. But it's to communicate truth, not communication for the sake of communication. It's, it's taking the highest, the best, and communicating in a way that people can understand. But that takes a mastery, that takes a, a depth. A, 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 you, have to, you have to touch the essence in order to be able to do that. So that's the challenge of our generation. But um, it's a real challenge. It takes a lot of guts and courage. But whoever does it sees, finds that people, that's what people want. People love quality stuff, especially since it's so rare. <laughs> you have to look at it, you have to search it with light, with candles. But you got chametz, with a dog. You can't find it. Um, There are, there are, uh, there are exceptions to are, are people that get it. Look at even the business world. Why does Apple, everything Apple does is a bestseller because they give people quality. Everyone else is giving them junk. One drunk after the other and they refuse. No, we're going to give people the best, the easiest to use, the most great stuff. And then everyone's wondering why Apple up and up and up and up. You know, it, it, even in the business world, I guess most people just like mediocrity. I don't know. Most, they just don't get it. You think to succeed, you have to give people mediocre stuff. It's not true. <laughs> I guess there's very few people who understand this. So Dr. Rebbe took the Benoni, mediocrity, and he elevated it. <laughs> He's talking to every person, 99.9% of the people. He says, no, 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 no mediocrity. The Alter Rebbe's Benini is greater than the tzaddik, <laughs> the conventional tzaddik. He takes the average person and he elevates him beyond the regular tzaddik. But until, until the Alter Rebbe was considered a tzaddik, Alter Rebbe took the Benini's even higher than the tzaddik, and that's the average. 
Altarebi made the Benini sparkle. That's the, you know, that's, that, that's real communication. This is real, uh, this is the Tanya. This is a grassroots revolution. Altarebi says, I don't trust the leadership. The leadership, if we leave it up to them, they're going to dumb it down and, and protect it and close it and hide it. Altarebi says, I'm going to make it available to everyone. And it's going to be a grassroots uh, It's an amazing phenomenon. It's, uh, because there are many authorities, most authorities feel very threatened. They don't want you to think on your own. You know, they'll, we'll do the thinking for you. Don't, rely on me. You know, how many uh, big doctors, successful doctors get angry if you take a second opinion and, and refuse to have your legs, legs cut off. You're questioning my authority, questioning my brilliance. It's my foot. But how, de- <laughs> how dare you question my, and get a second opinion, you know. Um, it's even more tragic is there are people who actually <laughs> rely on these authorities. Yeah. The doctor says, it's your foot. Why don't you get another opinion? You know, they're afraid to go against authority. I'm a simple person. Who am I to question authority? It takes a lot of courage to question authority. That's the spirit. Altareva didn't want that. Don't just trust yourself. Trust your instincts. Trust your, you know, don't just rely on what the authorities say. It doesn't sound right to you. It doesn't sound right. not easy to go against them, though. No, it's not easy. It takes a lot of courage. I had a doctor, I had a shoulder problem with a rotator cuff. He says, to operate, 97% cure rate. So he saw me hesitating. He says, if you were my brother, I would, I would tell him to operate. Right away, I got nervous. <laughs> and he says, don't trust the authorities. You'll discover it yourself. You have it inside of you. It has to be personal, individual. And so, like a good teacher, he doesn't say... You know, I'll give you the answers. You know, you can't figure it out. Trust me and I'll give you all the answers. I'll be the address. I'll be the authority. I'll make all the decisions. Because that, that's what most authorities do. says, no, I'm going to teach you to trust yourself. You have it within you. You have it. You have an ashamma. You're for real. You have something real inside of you. I'm just going to help you discover that part within you. That's your essence. But this takes a tremendous faith in people, tremendous faith in... in in the content and the message. This is quality. It's a push for quality. Everything quality. And uh, but most people, this is an uphill battle. It's revolutionary. Because most people just won't, don't have it. Just want everything dumbed down and, and, and you know, and trust me and trust the authorities and you know, everything, everything has to be studied to death. Until you do a million studies, you can't make a decision. Um, whatever, it's just it's a whole different world. <laughs> you know, this is belief in people. Altarevi, this is belief in people. And that's belief in authority and study, you know. And it's, it's two different worlds, totally different worlds. But uh, eventually the Tanya will win. Eventually this approach will win. 
That's what you're seeing today. You're seeing a grassroots revolution. It's not coming from the leader. Never was and never will. It comes from the bottom up, from the grassroots. You know, so many people are discovering organic lifestyle, healthy lifestyle, you know. So many people are discovering the, the whole artificial falsehoods of the whole, you know, media and the whole... And, you know, people are, people are discovering that there's something real. It's happening all across the board. So many goyim, there are whole congregations all across the world that have given up their Christianity because they went back to the Torah. So we want to learn the Bible and the original Hebrew. Let's learn with the rabbi. And then, then they discover that they've been taught lies for 2,000 years. All Christianity is one big farce. One big mice. Do they go back to the origin? And they read and they become Noahides, Noahide congregations. So this is happening at every layer and every level of life, globally, all over the world. The whole Baltruva movement, people are coming back to the roots, coming back to Yiddishkeit. But it's, it's, people were sold a bill of goods, and now people are finding their voice and finding, discovering. It's empowering, you know, that you can live your life, take responsibility for your life, and you can distinguish right from wrong. You know, what's artificial and what's real and what's... And uh, especially with the internet, more and more people, it's empowering more and more people to really trust themselves, make decisions, do the right thing, and not to be taken in by the... So on one hand, it's very dismal what's going on. It's like a blanket dumbing down on every level. Lies, farce, superficial, it's... it's it's almost repulsive. On the other hand, on the grassroots level, there's, a, there's a, like a global revolution going on. It's only growing deeper and deeper. People, people are just, they're, they're not buying it. People want truth. People want quality. People want reality. People want emmas. And they're getting it in spades. With the internet, they're getting it in spades. You know? They can no longer, you can no longer hide it. You can't shut it out. Till 30 years ago, before the internet, this was shut out. The authorities were in control, and they didn't let anyone or anything get anywhere close to what's really going on. There's something brewing, and something very positive brewing, very healthy, beneath the surface, and not so beneath the surface. And eventually it will break through. Eventually this will prevail, because the old system is just not working anymore. It's just, it's just getting more absurd. This class is part of the Lessons in Tanya project. More classes available at LessonsInTanya.com.